Welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. Hello, and welcome to the Didi and Lital Show. Another week has passed, and it's super hot. It's like there is no spring. Summer is here. Summer, How are you doing? I am doing awesome. You know why I'm doing awesome? The Bruins, the Bruins. having the best ever season. The best season ever, without the R, of course. I think 65 wins, best, and of course, beating Montreal in Montreal to secure the record. That's always fun. So... And it's 90 degrees in April. It's 90 degrees in April. The convertible is converting and everything is awesome. The AC is on. And we have a special guest today. Hi, Kayla. How is it going? Welcome to the show. Hi. I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm enjoying the outside. I'm looking here the, the bird. Yes. <laughs> Loving the weather. <laughs> Wonderful. So glad to have you. We've been having a few CISOs here and talking about the path, how they come to the role. And I think you have a special story about you coming in and you're very passionate about helping people get the role in cybersecurity. So I think we're going to talk a lot about that. But first, let's have you introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I am Kayla Williams. I am the CISO at Devo Technology. So they are a uh, cloud-native data analytics and SIEM uh, platform. I have been in this role now officially for a year, just a little bit over that. Prior to being the CISO here, I was the VP of GRC. So my path to CISO is very non-traditional. I am not your deeply technical, hands-on, code-writing, you know, hoodie-wearing hacker type of CISO, I have come up the legal regulatory risk management side of the house. So my experience is a little bit different. And this is kind of what's led to my passion for wanting to hire people into security that have complementary skill sets versus the what you tend to think of as a stereotypical, very technical security professional, security engineer type. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about like what made you do this transition from legal compliance into obviously risk and CISO. Tell me a little bit about the path. I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah, it's interesting because I so I graduated with a degree in accounting. So my career path was I'm going to be a CFO someday. I have someone in my family who used to work for Bank Capital. And so growing up, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the lifestyle that I want. So that was my trajectory. And I started out doing external audit, which part of the requirement for that is you have to have two years of that before you can become a CPA. And I actually decided that I hated it. I was miserable. I was like, I'm not creating anything. I'm just I'm commenting on other people's work. So I decided that I was going to switch it up and get more of a corporate hands-on experience. So I moved, it's, it doesn't sound like much, but I moved into internal audit inside a financial services company. And that gave me the ability to understand the processes of different corporate functions. So like the finance and treasury side, but also customer success, sales, IT, like corporate IT, product management and development, and then the legal, like the legal regulatory side being financial services. That that are listening and are from the nerdy side that know how the bits work, but not so much on how the 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 mechanism work in the companies. What does an internal audit team? do because I, I unfortunately know because I ha- I had the FedRAMP two products. But what does it mean? 
So basically it is going through and saying, here's your documentation and you say you do ABC, XYZ, prove it. And then walking through and making sure that they are dotting their I's and crossing their T's as they say they are, which comes in handy for FedRAMP, which I'm FedRAMP moderate going through that right now. So I know your pain, but also things like SOC 2, ISO, PCI, it's it's basically giving the business units the, the comfort that the processes they've designed are operating the way they should be. Yep. So uh, matching to the regulation, seeing that what you do internally actually fits. If you remember Saravish's example, so yeah. we had Saravish from TrustCloud come over uh, a, a little mm-hmm. while back, and he jokingly said that uh, audits are basically saying that your New Year health resolutions, your health status. And we find it very funny, but I think to some degree what you're saying is you make sure that that doesn't happen, yep. that people actually do what they say they do. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny being in SaaS. I've been in SaaS for about six years now, and we're not regulated in the same way that financial services or health services are. So there's no mandatory requirement to have an internal audit function or even a risk function. Yep. But having that skill set, which is where GRC comes in to say, hey, you're I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise a yellow flag to get your attention before something bad happens. It's really important. I think it's starting to catch on a bit as the industry kind of moves along and, and the laws and regs are catching up to technology. Yep. That was another topic that we raised with Sravish was the fact that our SaaS environments, that there is no, the regulation is so far behind. We're discussing yeah. the fact that MFA there's a requirement for you to pay a bill to Duo or Okta or Microsoft. N- n- no, no, actually. No actual implementation. N- no uh, checking that that actually happens. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the closest that we've ever come to having globalization of, of these laws and regulations is GDPR. And that's just because you, if you want to do business in Europe, you have to comply. But I think there is. There's traction in the U.S. with some of the memorandums coming out from the Biden administration now. So hopefully that will catch on. So when transitioning from compliance to cybersecurity, it seems like a lot corresponds and it's it's a very important part of it. What new skills you had to add to the mix of what you already owned? (laughs) Patience. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you really have some? No. None of not us at all. Have. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm going gray. <laughs> I had to learn to be patient and to kind of change the way that I'm discussing things. I, I never realized how much the way that security and risk professionals can speak can really isolate themselves from the rest of the business. And having the ability to take the corporate goals and objectives, and then translate that into technical requirements, kind of like the functional spec for the engineering teams and the product teams, but then also kind of converting all of that back into business requirements. It's a very new skill. Being in the risk function, I think you learn it just by default, but now being in this role where I am the intermediary between those those business functions it's it's been accelerated how how much i've had to adjust and and learn to speak differently to different stakeholders that i'm responsible to and how do you find this uh, being the translator between i'm sure you have all the technical guys reporting to you or kind of like in the mix to 
the more business, the ones that need to understand bottom line? How does it work? Do you feel like it's a new language that you need to earn? Is there other ways to kind of like bridge between those that do come with the hoodies coded for the rest of their career? Yeah, it's a very different language and it's it's difficult. I actually have a very strong female SOC director and she she is fluent in Spanish and the company is a Spanish company, so that, that helps, certainly. But she and I have the ability to, to kind of come together, say, okay, here's the risk in super layman's terms. How do we translate this from like that legalese or layman's terms into something that the business will understand? And that's actually helped a lot having that partnership, not just from the the cultural perspective where the engineering teams are all Spanish and she speaks Spanish. I think that's a huge help, but she's able to say, okay, at a high level, here's what this means. Now at a deeply technical level, this is exactly how it applies to you. And, and that really helps being able to translate that, especially for me where I'm not a technical person. I mean, I can, like a CISP exam, right? I can go a mile wide and like an inch deep where she can go go the mile deep and really get into the nitty gritty. And I feel that having that kind of partnership and being able to find other people in the organization that understand and want to learn more about security, kind of take it upon themselves and work collaboratively with us to send the messages the right way. It's it's really all stakeholder management. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. No, you were about to say something. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, and because you are like us working for a cybersecurity vendor, even though a competition of ours, how do you see the difference between being in a role like yours, a CISO in a cybersecurity vendor versus peers in different companies, non-security. Is there a difference? Do you think that you're learning more? I'm sure you have also kind of like the public relation role that might be interesting. So kind of like for people, maybe we have people in the audience thinking, what's next for me? Where do I want to go? How should they see that the advantages or maybe disadvantages of working for a cyber vendor? It's a lot more salesy than being... Like I am always selling. I I think I'm really lucky in that I get an opportunity to do a lot of webinars or podcasts like this and get to discuss the product. I get in front of customers, prospects often. Just yesterday, we did a a webinar with some folks about the new guidance coming down from the OMB about having logging. It's August 28th. For anybody that doesn't know, you have to have logging if you're a federal agency. So so that's a lot of fun because I'm, I'm getting to meet and network with a lot of really cool people. Actually, I met Didi at an event where I did CISO Improv, and that was my first time ever doing it. And the video is very out nice, there. And it, very nicely done, by the way. Very nicely done. <laughs> if, you're, you. if you're willing to go on stage with Dima, you're a very brave lady because <laughs> he is. he was also on the podcast, and he is a rock star. It's, it, I, 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 I would be afraid to go on stage between him and Alex. Yeah. Well, Alex was great because my husband's he's Scottish and just got to rip on each other for, for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we should bring him too. Yes, yes we should. <laughs> we love um, the accent. Also, oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I mean, I know you're sitting next to your, your spouse, but sometimes it grates on you a bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> But that could, that's definitely mutual as well. I, well I, I'm sure he gets sick of the, the Boston on the inside of my accent. The GD and Latal show will return in a moment. The GD and Latal show is sponsored by ORT. In today's world, identities are the perimeter protecting the organization. 
and are the most exploited vector by attackers. If your security teams are struggling to maintain control of identity management tools, ORT can help. ORT offers a centralized platform for discovering, monitoring, assessing, and remediating identity threats to your business. While most security platforms can take weeks or months to start identifying and remediating risks, with ORT, your security teams can get started in as little as 30 minutes and start securing the identity perimeter immediately. ORT will surface the most critical vulnerabilities and give your security teams the recommended action steps. Start your trial today at ORT.io. That's O-O-R-T dot I-O. The DD and Letal Show is sponsored by Hunters. Hunters is a SaaS platform purpose-built for security operation teams. Providing unlimited data ingestion and normalization at a predictable cost, Hunters helps SOC teams mitigate real threats faster and more reliably than SIM. Visit Hunters.ai to learn more. But, you know, being a vendor's CISO, it, it's great because of the, of the networking that I get to do. I'm, I'm very externally facing, whether it's customers, vendors, events. It allows me to meet great people. But there's also a lot of pressure as well because we sell a security product. So we are customer zero. And being able to have the influence on the way the product roadmap is going to go is, is fantastic. But at the same time, it, it can be very frustrating when you say, okay, I need this, but it's not for two years down on the roadmap due to resourcing or other paying customer priorities. But this is the first role that I've been in where I've been able to influence in the way that I, that I am. And I I do think it's frustrating. It's fun. And by the way, this kind of leads to my always talking point. So when I demo our product ORT, I always say that if you talk to a security company that doesn't use their own, their own stuff, never buy it. Never, ever, ever, ever buy it because Clearly you want they, to accompany that trust, their, trust dog fooding exactly dog fooding because this is the best way to learn because if you if you can't get your product to work for yourself it will not uh, work for, to for any for customer for anybody else yes for sure especially if you're a startup you're still relatively small it should work for your company yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah i i think super interesting so for those that want to get the hands dirty and actually impact what's out there maybe that's the best role right if if you are a CISO out there and you say, oh, I wish the product that we're using would be better in XYZ, go work for the company and help influence that. That's probably the best way to do it, right? Yep. Also, this is kind of the path that at least in some of the bigger organizations I've worked with, for example, our buddy Martin, he came from the owning the SOC for Cisco to be a product manager. He's one of the best product managers I know. Because, because he did it hands-on. Because he did it hands-on for 20 and then years. And he it. Exactly. And he can translate. This is what it means for the business. Forget about the, the fun stuff that you want to talk about, about needy-greedy features. This is the problem that it solves. Yeah, and us vendors, we definitely need people that did the damn job to, to come in and help build a better product. Absolutely. So right, next step for you is head of product management. I don't know if I'd want the stress. I, I'm stressed enough. <laughs> I thought CISO is the most stressed role possible. So I, I don't think PM is <laughs> more stressful than that. But I think PM, I think a very concrete customer committed deadline. Yeah. So that I think would stress me out a bit more. Where here, I mean, I have I have deadlines and, and, and a strategy that I work towards, but it's my own imposed 
versus a customer mandate or regulatory mandated deadline. So uh, I, I have yet to see a PM that gets just by by the deadline. They always oh, they always tell me it's going to be in Q5. And they always say exactly. And they always blame <laughs> on engineering for not delivering on time. Yeah, so, not stressful at sorry, all. Sorry, Nico. Often, we, we all love <laughs> PM leaders. We all care about bringing more diversity to cybersecurity. We all think that it's not diverse enough, not enough female, not enough people of color. And I think you have great opinion of how we can all make it better. We have some other thoughts. What do you think? And like when you're hiring, how do you hire for diversity, improve diversity in your team? Well, I've kind of rewritten the job descriptions. I have mm. completely pulled out the mandatory requirement for a degree. And I've also made the certification process optional. I don't use that as a qualifying like like a, a qualifying uh, thing for someone to be on my team because I find them to be very expensive. Same yes. with the degree, right? I mean, I have a degree in accounting. By no means, looked at my resume back when I started, would you say, oh, yeah, should be a great fit for a security team because I didn't have the background. And back then, which I'm dating myself, I, we didn't have security degrees. We didn't have engineering degrees being like really focused on women, bringing women into the field. So there's a, a big gap there when it comes to bringing in women or even people of color who are in going to community schools or degree, uh, colleges that are in underserved communities that just didn't have the technology available to them at the time. So I find that it is a, it's a huge limiting factor when you say you must have an engineering degree or a new cybersecurity degree, five years of experience, a CISP, C-RISC, and all of these other things, because it doesn't tell me anything about the actual hands-on application of your skill set. Sure, you can memorize things. Great. I, I memorized the Pledge of Allegiance when I was in kindergarten. I still know it. That doesn't give me any skills. I would rather understand your background and, and see how your skill set is complementary, especially when it comes to like auditing. And that's a, that is a huge area of talented people that can certainly add value to a security function because they understand process risk and issues and it can help you to put new new or modify existing controls to enhance and to ensure that you aren't going to be on the headlines for having an incident or an event that is detrimental to your brand. So I, I tend to focus more on the skill sets and seeing how they can add value to my team versus having very rigid requirements. And also after the pandemic, so many, in particular women, lost their jobs because they had to stay home and homeschool their kids. So they had the opportunity to say, I want to move into a new into a new industry. But they don't have all these qualifications from before. Right. So that right there was going to deter women, and, and not just women, anybody really, but m mainly women from joining the, the industry because they don't meet those very particular requirements. And there's so many research showing that women, when they read the job description, if like they don't qualify for all the bullet points, they're like not even submitting themselves. I, I, well, I, men, I, I don't even read the requirements. You just I, submit. I, I, submit. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I'm awesome. That, you should have me. This is... <laughs> See? See, that's the confidence, that's the yeah. confidence that men are given yes. where women, I would never, oh my gosh, oh, that just made me start it's to sweat a, a little bit. About doing that. I wish I had this. <laughs> like he wakes up yeah. in the morning and say to himself, I'm awesome. Of like, course. I wish we had it. Yeah. You should, we should teach it to our daughters. Like yes. being awesome. 
believing yeah. in yourself. I love it. I, I love this idea that potentially the untapped areas of talent, maybe junior talent that is being taught some skills that are transferable, like audit. So many college grads, I'm sure, going to these junior positions in the big fours. Can they come into cybersecurity? I, I, mean, I think so. Here's what I like about education, and here's what I don't like about education. As somebody that has suffered through about 12 years of medical school, give or take, uh, MD-PhD, a lot of wasted education. But the, the ability to tolerate rigid structure and doing, like my buddy Dennis says, doing something stupid for very long and tolerate that, that that's like training for real life. Because there are other places, like, so you could be in the military yes, instead. Which I did, uh, which and, I was. And showing that you persevered and, 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 and followed the rules. Basically Forrest Gump things. Just do what you're told <laughs> and not think too much. <laughs> so I'll, education, I think, is valuable. But I, I agree with you that specialized education, like saying, I need a comp side degree. I think for sure, cybersecurity certification. CSSP is just uh, extortion. Uh, I, I have no problem with going because I, I basically gave up on mine. And right now, Oleg and I always joke that it's it's an attestment. If you renew, it's just willing to tolerate extortion, to pay to have pay a the dues. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I loved the, the aspect of the audit departments and other aspects because I think project management and mani- managing something and a process through is, is a skill that is not taught in any of the in any of the the frameworks in any of the environments and that's a very important skill it's it, i think it's a key skill for customer success i think it's a key yeah. process for things like you're mentioning being in the security team being able to understand when did an incident start and following through until it, it ends and understand when it ends when it's a little bit like the matrix revolutions of everything that has a beginning has an end to kind of follow it through yeah. and understand mm-hmm. how to drive to that end. So that's that's very interesting. Yeah, and I think for me, I was in I was in retail and waitressing for a really long time when I was you know coming up. Uh, I live not far from the Rentham Outlets, so I worked there in retail as a teenager and dealing with the public during like Black Friday weekend, for example. Like oh you just my. learned. To oh, fix. that. That <laughs> and I, that I was when retail was a big, big deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not Cyber Monday. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The early two thousands and having to build a thick skin and, and tolerate people. Like this was like when there were Karen's before they were called Karen's. Like, let me talk to your manager type of thing. <laughs> and you, you having those stakeholder skills and the patience for that is really important as you're coming up. And then I mean now being a CISO, it's a very different level of patience, but it it helps to build that foundation of tolerance absolutely for different personalities so yeah whomever survived the tough years of retail can do anything <laughs> seriously <laughs> i have admiration and, and, and consumer goods yeah uh, well <laughs> consumer goods actually teach you a lot i come yes. from i have a decade in consumer goods teaches you oh. a lot about how corporate life is and marketing that's amazing i yep. mean they build brands one question we forgot to ask when you were talking about being the CISO of a big security brand. Do you feel that you have a target on your back? Always. You always have to operate that you have one on your back because the moment that you feel like you're comfortable is when your defenses are down. So always, always operating under that. Do you have a plan of what's next in your career? 
I'm looking for advisory roles right now, how I can help to give back to the community. I really love building programs or going through like major transformations. So I am looking around right now for where I can get into some early stage startups that are looking, that they don't want to have a CISO on board just yet, but looking for the guidance to help build their products securely, especially with privacy by design, now secured by design kind of leading the charge here in the U.S. right now. That is where I, I am focusing. This um, is so needed for early stage startups when you cannot afford it, but like you want to build it from day one, definitely. Not even just security. Any software needs yeah. to have it. We talked a lot about security by design. So Security companies, at least you don't need to start by talking to the CTO or the CEO and say, hey, you need to be secured. In the non-security startups, say, uh, yeah, why does that need to be encrypted? I want to see the data. Uh, especially if you are building a consumer app, like you need to think about data from day one and like being compliant and caring about that. I wish they all do it, like not just think about how they're going to reach million users and downloads. Well, yeah, but also, as you mentioned before, marketing, like your brand protection. Absolutely. Now there's so much that rides on your reputation. You don't want to be in the media for the wrong things. Yep. Definitely. Sure. Definitely. Well, for the sake of time, I want to make sure we have time to play a little game. Yes, uh, I hope you're that. ready for it. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and now Lital and Didi present Prove You're Not a Robot. Three final authenticating questions for our guest. Hey, Kayla. If you were a cybersecurity superhero, what would be your name and who would play you in the Hollywood movie that follows? I would say Resilience Ranger, <laughs> and I would be played by Jennifer Garner. Oh, very, good choice. Very, Love very it. good choice. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch the movie. Yes. You, were you a fan of Alias way back when? Yes, and I just I think that she's just adorable. But I know she that she is. could break someone's nose if she had to. <laughs> definitely badass. Yes, yes, she is. What is your favorite waste of time on the internet? I'm a nerd. I have the New York Times app for games. You do Wordle? So, <laughs> yes, and Vertex, which is like connecting like lines to make a picture sudoku all of those things so if i'm on my phone if i'm not working that's usually what i'm doing is something like that they have the best quizzes yes. definitely yeah you do the crosswords yeah. so i'm terrible at the the daily crossword but i'm great at the minis because they're like five questions <laughs> anyways and what was your first computer or even what was your first internet experience So my first computer was definitely, it was definitely a Windows. Yeah. I just remember being extremely boxy and loud. I don't know the, the make and models. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not technical. I don't, I didn't pay attention to that stuff. I was like, I can get on to AIM. Yeah. That's all I cared about back then. <laughs> and I'm sure the modem was like doing this loud noise of connecting. AIM, I think is what uh, ICQ turned to be. Yeah. No, ICQ was bought by, by the, AOL. AOL, yeah, right, yeah. So I think that's what ICQ became. Yes, yes, in those days. Uh, th the founder was a classmate of mine. Oh, yeah, yes. I, was, I was like 11. 
<laughs> yeah, we're dating ourselves. I, 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 I am old. I, I am old. Definitely. Well, that was fun. Uh, are you coming to RSA conference? Will we be able to get together? Yes, I would love that. I'd love to see you there. I'm arriving on Sunday. Excellent. Well, Didi arrives. I, I'm coming late. It's so hard to be a couple in cybersecurity in conference time. Like, somebody right. needs to be with the kids. Even when they're teens. <laughs> Even when they're teens. Even somebody, they're teens. We cannot have both parents just oh, in San Francisco. I'm closer to having been a teenager than than you are. That's when you can't trust them. Yeah. I know, definitely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, looking forward to meeting in person at one RSA. More thing, one more thing. Remember, Sravish told us, always ask, who should who else should come on our podcast? Oh, do you know somebody that you would recommend that we'll follow up with? Yeah, I actually would love to see some more like ESG focus and how security and privacy fall into the, the social aspect of ESG. Okay. Her name is Jill Orhan. She's moved from SAS into that space right now. She'll actually be at RSA, so I'll definitely introduce you. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of focus from large companies and, and some small on how um, SAS companies are meeting ESG requirements and and. I think it's a really cool upcoming topic for, for discussion. That's that is wonderful. That's interesting. But you have to say what ESG is because, as I mentioned, geeks don't know what that is. Except for oh, sorry. Environmental and social governance. So how do you take care of the environment, your carbon footprint, and, and yep. things like that? Awesome. Yep. Excellent. Thank you very, very much for coming, Kayla. It was Appreciate awesome talking it. to you. Thank you. Thank you both. It was so great. Have a great one. See you. Thanks, Kayla. Thanks, Didi. Thanks for being with us for another episode of the Didi and Lital show. Please rate and review us and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast. We're here weekly for now. Have another secure week and see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>